Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up with one of the greatest African footballers of all time, Nigeria's JJ Okocha, arguably the most skillful African ever. Okocha gives his views on what needs to be done in Nigerian football to get back to the glory days of the 1990s. Well, I think um, it's not a rocket science. You know, we have to um, put good infrastructure in place and go back to uh, grassroots. Also, we catch up with how the top African players are doing in China. And as Kenya has had the right to host the 2018 African Nations Championship taken away, who might replace them? That's coming up later. And I'm back in Zimbabwe now after spending time at the Wafu Cup of Nations in Ghana. Had a great time there and had returned by the time of the final. Uh, So I missed that game, but a great 4-1 win for Ghana over their rivals Nigeria in a packed stadium in the West African Football Championship. Some encouragement there for Black Stars fans after failure to qualify for next year's World Cup and for the African Nations Championship. We highlighted those issues on the show last week, so a time for Ghana fans it was to rejoice. A very successful tournament, and over the years... The Wafu Cup has been very inconsistent in terms of hosting, but it should now be back in two years' time. Well, here in Zimbabwe, we were hosting another regional tournament, the Kasafa Women's Championship. This is the Southern African Women's Tournament, and Zimbabwe met rivals South Africa in the final. And once again, South Africa had the upper hand, with a last-minute winner to take the trophy 2-1. Also, a massive crowd there, and those were the two teams that represented Africa at the Olympics in Rio last year. And we're down to the last four now in the CAF Champions League. The first legs of the semi-finals are on this weekend. Tunisia's Etoile du Sahel playing eight-time winners Al-Athli of Egypt. Al-Athli threw after an impressive 2-1 win away to Esperance of Tunisia. USM Alger of Algeria are up against Morocco's Widad Casablanca. Now, Widad knocked out the holders Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa last weekend in a penalty shootout. And uh, Solomon Sundowns maybe seem a bit like a team that really needs a rest after non-stop football for almost two years. And you also have to understand that the South African Football League is very different from the rest of Africa because they follow the European calendar. So whenever the rest of Africa is having uh, an end of a season, South Africa is still playing football so it has really put them in a state of uh, a very uncomfortable state and a few of their players left Zwani left to Portugal and Dolly left for France and so it's it's really a, a case of playing uh, so many games they had to go to the world club championship in Japan and they had to play in local cup games it's definitely taking a toll on them and they getting ready for pre-season. The season just started in South Africa. And uh, 
non-stop football for for almost two years. You know, I think even the coach, Coach Pizzo Mosemani, he would begin to get to a place where you know uh, ideas are running out and. You need more motivation. You need players that are fresh. You need players that can really, you know, stay on top of their games. And you need players to go on holidays and recharge and get passionate again. It's not really a shock, you know, but they they were out there. They competed. And I'm sure next year they're going to come back uh, really fresh and and ready to, to go all the way. Yeah, sure. And in dramatic news in African football, Kenya has had the right to host the 2018 African Nations Championship taken away. This is the tournament for locally based players. The decision to take the hosting rights away from Kenya was made at a Confederation of African Football Executive Committee meeting in Ghana. Only one of the four venues is ready to stage the event. Now, there has been media speculation that Morocco or South Africa might replace Kenya, although a bidding process for new hosts has been opened. Now, the African Nations Championship is due to take place in January and February of next year, uh, so it's less than four months away. And a shame for Kenya, Solomon, but uh, they were way behind with the preparations. It's sad for me because I felt, you know, Kenya really deserved to host it. Uh, I'm a big fan of East African countries and I feel with the emergence of Uganda playing great football now and other countries around uh, East Africa like Ethiopia playing great football, I feel East Africa deserves some sort of uh, attention and deserves some sort of rights to host the tournament. Yes, and we'll see who will then get to host the 2018 CHAN, the African Nations Championship. We've talked about the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations on the show quite a bit recently, and in particular whether Cameroon will have the tournament taken away from them. Well, for now, Cameroon remain as 2019 hosts, but CAF says the organising committee must arrange for an audit firm to carry out an inspection mission of the country's infrastructure. So that story certainly not finished as yet. Well, now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we've caught up with one of the greatest African footballers of all time. That's Nigeria's JJ Okocha, arguably the most skillful African ever. Okocha won the Africa Cup of Nations with the Super Eagles in 1994 and then shone at the World Cup the same year as Nigeria reached the second round. He won Olympic gold in Atlanta in 1996 and his clubs included Paris Saint-Germain in France and Bolton Wanderers in the English Premier League. Amazingly, Okocha never won the African Footballer of the Year award, although he was runner-up in 1998. We had a chance to talk to Okocha at the event to name the shortlist for the 2017 FIFA Best Player Awards. And Okocha gave his views on what needs to be done in Nigerian football to get back to those glory days of the 1990s. Well, I think um, it's not a rocket science. You know, we have to um, put good infrastructure in place and go back to uh, grassroots. You know, because um, the future belongs to, to the youths. And um, if you fail to encourage the youths or guide them or put a good platform for them to develop, then you will suffer in the future. And that's what we're suffering at the moment because we fail to plan from uh, the foundations in the first day. But hopefully um, this new uh, super know, will start the, the change that we need. Well, currently, Nigeria are on top of their group in 2018 World Cup qualifying. Uh, they could make it in the next round of games under their German coach, Gernot Rohr. And Okocha says he's impressed with Rohr. 
Oh, he's a good coach. He's, he has done well. He's, he has tra transformed the, our football again. And he has given us the belief that we can still compete. You know? So um, I, I should give him credit because he has done well. And the Super Eagles won the 2013 Nations Cup with a local coach. That's the late Stephen Keshi. And these are Akocha's views on whether Nigeria should go back to having a local coach. I think if we want to progress, we have to be honest to each other. We have to call it spade a spade. At the moment, my opinion is that we are not yet there. You know, if we want to um, employ our indigenous coaches, we should uh, bring them up to date. You know, if you look at the environment that they are managing back home, you should know that um, they are not really um, coaching in a very competitive environment. So uh, for me now, I think uh, foreign coaches are one step ahead. Well, Solomon, some interesting views there. Uh, firstly, what do you think about the idea that Nigeria has to focus on grassroots football to build for the future? Yes, uh, I feel the idea that Nigeria has to focus on grassroots football to build for the future is very important and also very urgent because that is where the depth of uh, and, and the huge a reservoir of talent in Nigeria is. So I definitely agree with, with JJ Okocher on that. Uh, we have so many talents across Nigeria that sometimes it would really shock you if you go around uh, football grounds across different towns and, and cities and, and, and you see the talents that we have, you know, but grassroots football is not something that we really pay attention to in spite of Nigeria producing great young players, but we don't pay attention to it. <laughs> you know, sometimes it just happens and it, it cannot just keep happening by accident. We have to invest. We have to encourage younger players. We have to set up infrastructures. We have to be able to get the right, right coaching because if we don't do that now, 10 years down the line, we're going to be suffering. I've seen South Africa going through the same patch. I've seen uh, Egypt go through the same patch. Ghana had been through the same patch and, and you would want to continuously continue to produce and produce young players is because you're focusing on grassroots football. Yeah, but uh, Nigeria has excelled in youth football, winning three of the last five editions of the Under-17 World Cup. Uh, so surely they are doing something right at youth level. Yes, Nigeria is doing something right when it comes to grassroots football. But a lot of it, you know, happens accidentally because we have a huge population and we big, big population. And outside of that population, there's a lot of football fans there are a lot of football talent so you have a huge pool of football young football players to choose from and so it just comes naturally and we've been producing young players just naturally to feed the under 17s and we have a, a few academies in in nigeria but it's not just enough if you look at the population of nigeria uh, we need to be able to put a whole lot more structure and to really go down into grassroots, into high schools, into communities and identify young players so we could be able to uh, develop them and, and put them in some sort of a, a very formal, uh, you know, academy or facility. And, and so they would really get to develop not just their football skill, but also develop themselves and as, as, a, as a young person, as a, as a human being. Right. And uh, what about the views of Okocha that the country is better off with a foreign coach for now? Yes, uh, I I totally agree with Okocha's uh, view on 
Nigeria's need for a foreign coach uh, because the reasons that he gave is based on the based on the adequacy of the local coaches that we have and and to be honest we don't really have local coaches that are really uh, adequate that are really prepared uh, the Nigerian football league is not the right environment for you to develop a coach people might say well Stephen Keshi did it but Stephen Keshi had quite a lot of experience coaching Togo coaching Mali did his is coaching license up in Europe. We need to encourage them to go out of Nigeria, for them to go out of Africa to to look for coaching opportunities elsewhere. Uh, that way, they're going to get more exposure for them to be able to coach the Nigerian Super Eagles. You know, comprising of players from that are playing all across the world, and and for you to be as a local coach to be able to take them to the World Cup to to major tournaments. That is just very important. Thanks, Solomon. Always a hot topic, that one. Local coaches versus foreign coaches. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Also, you can listen on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. Also on the website, pictures of the whole team, in case you're wondering what we all look like. And our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media. And last week, I was at the Wafu Cup in Ghana. On the show, we talked about the current state of Ghanaian football. Some great names have played for the Black Stars over the years, the likes of Abdul Razak, Abedi Pele, Tony Yaboa, Suli Montari, Asamoa Jan and Andre Ayew, uh, to name just a few. So we asked, who is your all-time favourite Ghana player? Let's start with a comment from Ghana and on WhatsApp. John says, my favourite all-time player from Ghana is Sami Kufour. He's done really well for the national team. And Ansamana Kole in the Gambia agrees, saying as the youngest Olympic football champion ever to grace the pitch at the age of just 15, winning major accolades and a long-lasting, outstanding football career, no list of Ghanaian footballers would be complete without mentioning Sami Kufour, says Ansamana. He was a player with passion, deeply committed with both a defensive and winning mentality, which won in Ballon d'Or nominations as well as a number of Footballer of the Year nominations. I say Sami Kufour is the all-time best Ghanaian player. Lamine B. Turai, also in the Gambia, says Abedi Pele is my all-time favourite player from Ghana. When I was small, I definitely loved this player, the way he dribbled and scored. I remember a game back in 1992 when he was covered with the Ghana national flag and was crying. I was so sad that day, says Lamine. To Malawi now, and Albert Kadzombe says, People prefer Abedi Pele, but I haven't watched him, so for me, I will go for Asamoa Jan. He's done a great job scoring crucial goals, leading the team as captain, and his hard-working spirit is amazing. And that's a view shared by many who got in touch this week. Mohamed Ali Timbo in Sierra Leone says it's Asamoah Jan for me. And Modu Saini in the Gambia agrees, saying there's no other but Asamoah Jan. I enjoy his goal-scoring skills and his celebration style. Amadou Touray in the Gambia goes for the former Eintracht Frankfurt, Leeds United and Hamburg striker, saying for me it's Tony Yaboa because he did a lot for Ghana, says Amadou. 
Abdullahi Soe, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying Ghana has formidable ways of developing football and footballers, resulting in producing great stars in Africa, says Abdullahi. But among them all, Tony Eboa has been an outstanding icon in not only Ghana, but in Africa. Mwinga Maimbolwa in Zambia also agrees, saying without a doubt it's Tony Yaboa. He was a fantastic player who scored spectacular goals and always gave his all when playing for his national team. And that's certainly true, Mwinga. Yaboa made 59 appearances for the Black Stars between 1985 and 1997 and scored 29 goals. That a terrific strike record. I remember some brilliant long-range efforts in the English Premier League from Yaboa when he was turning out for Leeds United. Gemo, a Cameroonian living in the United States, goes for a former Chelsea star who's now playing in Indonesia for Persib Bandung. Michael Essien is my favourite Ghana player, both on and off the field, says Gemo. In his prime, he was like a machine in the midfield who read the game very well. Off the field, he's a great humanitarian with a good and calm personality. It's said that injuries limited his dynamism, aggression and offensive contribution to his career. But in my view, he's one of Ghana's finest players of all time. Thanks for that, Gemo. And Malik Guy in the Gambia agrees, saying it's Michael Essien. He won a lot of trophies with Chelsea and Ghana too. He is my best. Lansana Barrow in the Gambia also chooses the former Chelsea midfielder, saying Ghana has had so many great players, no doubt, but Essien is the one I look to when playing. He's a strong, talented fighter and always ready to give it all to be a winner, says Lansana. Gift Chipanda in Malawi nominates the West Ham striker Andre Ayew, uh, saying he's my number one, followed by Sully Muntari. And Modu GJ Kole in the Gambia says it's Sully Muntari. And among the other nominations, Al Haji Saidi Khan in the Gambia suggests Abdul Razak. And Usman S. Bojang again in the Gambia says it's Charles Akonor, who took over the number 10 jersey from Abedi Pele. And Modu Pabi Baji in the Gambia nominates Mubarak Wakaso, the midfielder who plays for Alaves, currently bottom of the Spanish La Liga. Well, very, very interesting that. Thanks so much for all of those views there. Apologies if we didn't get to read out your message and always great to hear from you. This week we're asking, how far can Liverpool go in the Champions League this season? With Africans Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah and Joel Matip in their team, Liverpool are playing exciting football and scoring goals, but many feel that they are weak defensively. So they're back in the UEFA Champions League this season, but after a 1-1 draw midweek away to Spartak Moscow, how far do you think the Reds can go in the Champions League this season? You can go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. Although before we talk about football in that part of the world, uh, Stuart, you've been giving us updates on Africans in China now and then. How's it looking there? Odi Agallo, the Nigerian who was at Watford, has had a good season for Changchun. He scored 12 goals in 22 games, and they're sort of middle of the table. Papi Sisse, who of course had five years in Newcastle United's team, uh, the, the Senegal player, um, he's got nine goals this season in 14 games for his club, Shandong, uh, who are in fifth place on the table. And now, 
right almost at the top of the table, Hebei have got Gervinho, but he's only got three games for them this season, and Stefan Mbai from Cameroon, who's played in 10 and scored two goals. Uh, one team which is really struggling, but it's got four Africans, is Tanjun Teda, where they've got Brown Adea, who was at West Brom, the Nigerian player, a Ghanaian Frank Achipong, and of course John Obi Mikel, the Nigerian legend uh, who was at Chelsea for so long, and also a Senegal player, Diagne. But I'm afraid their team is in a bit of relegation trouble this season. And as is Yangban, despite Steve Trawali from Gambia playing in his third season for them, and he's got 11 goals already this season, but he just needs to get a few more if they're going to stay in the uh, in the Super League next season. So good to see some of our African players making an impact in China. Well, thanks for that, Stuart. Very interesting and some tongue-twisting Chinese names in there. And things are really taking shape in the English Premier League now. Liverpool in a very exciting 3-2 away win over Leicester and Egypt's Mohamed Salah on target again. Yes, it was a cracking game. And, uh, you know, I I blush every time I say this, having predicted that Salah may not do terribly well in uh, the Premier League this season, that he's now scored four goals in five Premier League games, plus two Champions League games and one for Egypt, all in the last six weeks. But it's interesting to compare that with the year he spent at Chelsea, where he only got six starts in the whole year. So clearly... Klopp believes in the player, has given him the confidence, and he's going out and showing what he can do. Now, an interesting point in that game is that Leicester lost 3-2, but Jimmy Vardy had a penalty saved by Simon Mignolet. And now, the interesting thing about that is that Mignolet has now saved five of his last nine penalties. And, of course, it's all become very scientific with analysis of where the player has put The last 10 penalties, say. So the goalkeeper goes out knowing that Vardy may take a penalty against him, knows what Vardy has done with the last penalties, and is therefore in a much better position to anticipate. Everton came from 1-0 down to win 2-1 over Bournemouth, with Omar Nayasi of Senegal coming off the bench, ironically replacing Wayne Rooney, and scoring two goals. Now, we've talked about Nayasi on this programme before, He's a Senegalese player who played in Norway, Turkey and Russia before coming to Everton two seasons ago. But he struggled so much, only getting two starts, that he went on loan to Hull at the end of last season. And though Hull were relegated, he scored four goals for Hull. And now back at Everton, this was his first appearance of the season and he gets two goals. And Steve, I'll tell you a funny story. The Everton players turned up for the game in their club suits, all except for Omar, who didn't have a club suit because they were so certain, apparently, that he was going to leave in the transfer window, they didn't actually measure him and get him a new suit. Well, 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 I think he should get one now, don't you? West Ham lost at home to Tottenham, but another Senegalese player, Chico Coyati, scored a late goal there. I hate to keep mentioning Crystal Palace, but it was their sixth straight defeat and still no goals, going down 5-0 at Manchester City, who've now scored 21 goals in their six games. And incidentally, on Crystal Palace, I read that Wayne Hennessy, the Palace keeper, has had the second most saves in the Premier League this year, 25 saves. Now, Crystal Palace's goal difference is 
nil 13. Imagine what it could have been without some of those 25 saves. Hmm. And just to encourage the Crystal Palace fans as they seek their first goal, of course, their next two games are against um, Manchester United and um, Chelsea. Not a lot to be happy about there, I suppose. Oh, looking very bleak for Crystal Palace. And the full Tottenham debut for Ivory Coast Serge Aurier went wrong, didn't it? Well, he got a red card, in fact, two yellow cards. You know, neither of them were particularly bad tackles. But as they always say, if you're on a yellow card, you've got to be careful. He came in from behind and he saw red. But, you know, I read an interesting comment on that by Tony Cascarino, the old Republic of Ireland Chelsea player, who said that it's important that Uri calms himself, but that he doesn't take the intensity out of his game. Cascarino said, you know, he's terrific in last-ditch situations, he's good at tackling, but he can be a little bit reckless, and he plays his game at such a high tempo that it's hard to stop him because he's so committed. So I thought that was an interesting comment, sort of, rather than blaming the player, Cascarino was saying that, you know, one of his strengths is the high intensity with which he plays and his tackling, but he's just got to use a bit of common sense because he's got to stay on the pitch. You know, Roy Keane, the ex-Manchester United captain, said that he once worked with a psychologist who used to say to Keane, Roy, your first goal is to stay on the pitch for 90 minutes. And I think that might be useful advice for Aurier, that if you do get yourself sent off, no matter how well you've played up until that, you're letting your team down. Yes, that's very interesting. And uh, what else has caught your eye there, Stuart? Well, I was just looking at some of the statistics, Steve, and the most tackles in the Premier League this season have been made by Wilfred Ndidi at Leicester, the Nigerian player. And ironically, second in the list is the person that Ndidi replaced at Leicester, our old friend Angolo Kanti at Chelsea, who, of course, is French with Mali roots. And then third in the list, we've got Everton's Senegalese midfield player, Idrissa Ghana Gay. So interesting to see three Africans so high up in the tackling statistics. I think we might want to gloss over fairly quickly two other Africans who are in the Premier League statistics. Jordan Ayew, uh, the Ghanaian at Swansea, and Victor Moses, the Nigerian at Chelsea, are high up on the list of most fouls committed. Oops. Finally, Steve, you remember the days when all games used to kick off at 3pm on a Saturday afternoon? Well, Arsenal's last seven home games this season have all been played on a different day. So they've actually played on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. I wonder when that last happened. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the first time ever. And I guess that's all about TV audiences, isn't it? Finally, Stuart, a World Cup qualifier is coming up next weekend. Nigeria will be the first African team to qualify for Russia 2018 with a home win over Zambia. You've got a few observations for us there. Steve, something that really has impressed me is the fact that Syria are through to a World Cup qualifier against Australia. And of course, Syria, because of its war-torn situation, have had to play all their home games in Malaysia, something like 8,000 kilometres away. Now, Qatar have failed to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, which means when they host the World Cup 
2022, they will be the first host nation never to have played in the World Cup. Just another thing which raises, in my mind, the foolishness uh, of the FIFA decision. Now, we've seen an evidence of a power shift in the World Cup with USA, for example, who've been in every World Cup since 1990, currently out of the Central and North American qualifying places. And of course, in Africa, we've seen teams like DR Congo and Burkina Faso doing well, while the traditional strong teams like Algeria, Cameroon, Senegal, Ghana, all struggling to qualify. Well, thanks, Stuart. Well, finally on the show, an exciting week in the UEFA Champions League. Big wins for Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester United. Harry Kane with a hat-trick for Tottenham, winning 3-0 away to Apoel Nicosia. Barcelona 1-0 winners away to Sporting Lisbon. And Manchester City looking good with a 2-0 victory over Shakhtar Donetsk. Gabon's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was on target for Borussia Dortmund, but the German side were rather overwhelmed by Real Madrid, who got a 3-1 away win. And a very much of note to two goals for Cameroon's Vincent Aboubacar, as FC Porto won 3-0 away to Monaco. Aboubacar got the winner in the Africa Cup of Nations final in Gabon this year, but his recent performances for the Indomitable Lions had come under scrutiny. Well, that's it for the show for this week, but on Facebook and WhatsApp asking, how far do you think Liverpool can go in the Champions League this season? A 1-1 draw away to Spartak Moscow for the Reds. Uh, now, how far can they go in the Champions League? Go onto our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.